I'll say this for him, he's consistent. Well, he's been so consistent all year. Not to taste, consistency. Consistently, yes. Consistency! Thanks, losers. And we are back for another week of the Fantasy Football Consistency Show. As always, I am your host, Bob Long of Big Guy Fantasy Sports. And normally on the other side of the glass is our good friend, Ron Rigney. But, you know, Ron's a teacher full-time, and it's his spring break. So guess what? He went up to visit his family, his dad, um, having some health issues. So we wish uh, wish uh, some prayers towards his dad and just, uh, you know, our thoughts with him um, through it's some tough tough times for him. So Ron's up there visiting with his dad and his family. So uh, we're giving Ron a little bit of a break, but I got really lucky with this one, folks. Got a really special guest for us tonight. Um, we're going to dive a little outside of consistency. We're going to talk about dynasty leagues. And we've got the author of the book, The Analytics of Dynasty 2020 Edition. His name is Jordan McNamara. Jordan, how you doing? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Great to have you. Yeah, Bob. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Jordan, you put this book out, and I, as I read the the intro and the foreword of it, uh, uh, you know, and as somebody who's written a book and does it every year as well, I, I know how important it is for the family to be supportive, and that's that that's great. I see your wife and your daughter in there, Gracie. That's super cool. Uh, but you know, talk about how how this whole idea came together. Uh, you know, just kind of give us a brief overview of that, and then we'll just kind of dive into the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah, just to be clear, my two-year-old's the brain behind the operation. So Beautiful. It'll just be... <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, so this is actually – so this is a second book. And so in 2018 uh, – so it would have been the the basically the – actually, sorry, the football season of 2017, I wanted to get more into DFS. Right. And this actually all started as a DFS research project. I played a couple weeks. I felt like you know I did okay but didn't feel great about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I need some more data. So in the the spring of really January and February of 2018, I dove full on in a a research project. Didn't know where it was going to take me, but was aimed at sort of DFS research. I want to know player types and just value and and success rates and all those sorts of things. And so, and I've played Dynasty for a while and I've played fantasy football for a while, but I, uh, so I started doing the research and it just kept like coming back to Dynasty for me. So I overlaid a lot of the data with ADP and I found some really stark conclusions. And so I just started writing them down and I didn't know, you know, I was doing podcasts at UTH and I didn't really know uh, what it was going to take me, but I I wrote it down and I just sort of had like a crude outline. It was like 40 pages and it it was in like six weeks. And I was like, "Ah, this is a book. And so I, I wrote the first book. And so that was like a long journey through Dynasty. It was intended to totally be a one off came out right. in 2019. Um, I had some conversations on, on you know, my, my pseudo book tour with podcast appearances and uh, strategy sessions with owners and stuff. And uh, just more ideas kept percolating, percolating, percolating. And I, the biggest thing for me really was getting Superflex ADP because uh, Superflex is a bigger format in Dynasty Leagues. Mm, uh, right. But it's relatively recent. So like I had a lot of ADP data going back for start one leagues, but in start you know, and, and Superflex, it's a, it's a big difference. Uh, so I got enough data, I thought, to write comfortably on it just to make some broad conclusions about the data um, and, and wrote a lot about quarterbacks in this one and, and a whole bunch of different topics. Uh, but that's really how it came together. It was just a, it was almost an accident. And then I did it again. So, 
<laughs> accidentally did it again. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so, and you're are you still with UTH Dynasty then with Chad and those guys? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. We record right. every. Um, yeah, we record. Cool. Uh, I I still record there, and then I've got basically my own podcast and Patreon stuff in the book. So yeah, gotcha. it's still uh, that's still home for me. Now, I guess I have to ask the first question: Is of course, are you guys coming to the Fancy Football Expo in Canton this year to promote your book and Chad and everybody coming in town? I don't know if they made it last year, but I'd certainly love to have you guys in town, especially for you to promote your book and talk about it. That'd be super cool. Yeah, uh, I, I, we didn't make it last year. Um, I would like to try and make it this year. I don't know. I mean, we'll probably talk about this a little bit. I think some people want to see you and I get together and debate some things. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's what we're, that's what we're doing tonight. So it'll yeah. just, it'll be like, it'll be like, you know, version, it'll be like the second, you know, like they have the, the first, you know, boxing match and they kind of duke it out. And then if somebody wins and then, okay, we got to have the rematch. Yeah, we'll do all that. It'll be fun. Um, yeah. But no, definitely love to have you guys come in. Obviously, talk about the bring you know bring your book uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh, always a great thing, and, and we're always looking for you know dynasty stuff. Um, you know, certainly there's a lot of people that play it. It's never been something I've gotten into. I I shouldn't say that. I mean, I play in a keeper league, but mm-hmm. I, to me, it's it, it's totally different. Like a dynasty is a dynasty. You 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 get your big players, and and then next year you're just each year you're just doing a rookie draft. Where a keeper league is, you're keeping so many players. There may be salary caps, there may not be, there may be number of players, whatever the case may be. But to me, they're two different things. Am I right? Yeah, I would say so. And like, yeah. I play in a homekeeper league where we keep, it's like a 16 team where we keep seven. Right. Um, so it almost, it feels a little bit dynasty-ish, dy- like dynasty light. But right. it, yeah, dynasty is keeping, you know, you get, you basically keep everyone. And it, what really changes is the, the league depth and sort of that, you know, that, that aspect of it. But yeah, it's essentially based around a rookie draft each year. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been in one. I've been playing since 1985, um, and we do uh, an auction league, and we always do an auction league. And um, there's a, a salary cap. And what we do a little bit different than most is you can keep as many players as you want. You can keep them all. But you have to give all of them a 50% raise, and you still have to stay under the cap. That's where it becomes a little more difficult, a little more strategy, you know, trading high priced players for cheaper players right around playoff time or, or you know, or sorry, uh, trade deadline time. So a little bit different, a little bit of a dynasty mixed in there because of the pricing and, and you know, going away, going, you know, but rookies obviously have a little more value because nobody's going to just let somebody steal, you know, Saquon Barkley coming out of the draft for nothing. Um, so <laughs> um, it, 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 it plays a little bit different, but uh, a huge incentive there to hit late in drafts though, or hit, hit for cheap guys. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, like I, uh, I, like I said, we've been playing forever. And one of the things I've tried to, I've been trying to do is, you know, in that league is, focus one more on running backs because running backs have a higher value just because of the touchdown only scoring method. But more often than not is taking is, is buying those guys that are cheap just because they're cheap. Like Darius Geis last year, I got for like a dollar at the end of the draft or $2 or or something ridiculous like that because everybody's like, Oh, he's hurt. I'm like, yeah, I know he's hurt, but he's only 24 years old. (laughs) Now he still hurt. Right? Yeah. The problem is he still hurt. So, but right. but I'm only paying five bucks for him next year. So right, right. you know, and uh, like last year, Melvin Gordon because he was holding out only went for twenty two dollars. Most top running backs go for between fifty and sixty or fifty and eighty. So I got him for twenty two because somebody's like everybody's like I don't want him, you know. So. Um, 
But anyway, um, so let's move on in the book here. Let's obviously go right into the table of contents. Why don't you start off? Chapter one is seasonal league analysis. Um, th- why don't you tell us just a little bit about what you're you're tr- you're talking about in this section? And then, of course, we're going to focus on the most important part, which is page six which is consistency is a myth. So we'll <laughs> take it right to that, and then we'll kind of see see where we disagree a little bit on the consistency side. Yeah, so this is the, the – and it's worth noting I didn't write this for shock value. I just – I didn't – you know, it's it's a – <laughs> um, I, I, I think consistency tends to be poorly defined, and, and that's kind of where this, this – uh, this all came from. And so I wanted to look at leagues and, you know, one thing I see that, that owners do is they'll say, well, I'm a contender and, or, you know, I'm, I'm on, uh, if I, only if I get into the playoffs, I have a chance. And so I went and I looked and I had a, I had a whole bunch of leagues and I, I went through and I looked and said, you know, well, what, what type of teams win championships really is, is what I went and looked at. Uh, and it's the, not surprisingly, it's the really good teams. So like the teams that get into the playoffs, you know, a typical dynasty league is usually 13 week regular season and, you know, and, and same with fantasy in general. And then you get 14, 15 and 16 are your playoffs. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to look and see sort of what the impact of that was and, I saw that the, the teams that win the championships really are the teams that are 9, 10, and 11 or more. It's rare to see a 12 or 13 win team, but, but those high, you know, those high, high win teams. And I have a, I have a metric called warp, which is wins over replacement player. And it tells you essentially how many points or, or how, how the true impact of a player to your particular team. Um, and, and I wanted to, think about that in particular with trades and and the decisions that you make how much do they really matter so that's really what i looked at and and then it sort of from there i i looked a little bit and i wanted to see you know what in terms of because I, the the common belief is and i believe this coming into this which was that you want players that are more consistent um and, well, and what i you fa- say that because yeah. while I, I'm doing okay with the selling of the book over the last three years. I don't think there's hardly anybody who they think about it. I think the key is is it's in the back of their mind, but then when they see my stuff and they go, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense." Um, so I think it, it's not as prevalent as a lot of people think. Because if it was, I'd be selling a hell of a lot more books than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I get your point. I mean. You know, my data is showing one thing. Your data shows it in your way. Now, yours is more statistical. Like mine, I try to keep very simple. Um, you know, you use big words like standard deviation and, and you know, <laughs> R factors and stuff and that I barely understand just because I'm an accountant. I had to take statistics in college. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what, I was, what I've always tried to do is, is put it out there and say – Here's how consistent this guy has been in becoming in being kind of an RB one or an RB two for each week to being basically usable by that that team. Um, and the more consistent they are, obviously, the more often they're helping your team. That doesn't mean you know. And I and I'm I totally agree with a lot of the stuff you say. Um, everything is it's you can't control the other team. So mm-hmm. I always say you can be the second highest scoring team of the week every week and go zero and fifth and zero and thirteen, 
and you can be the second lowest scoring team of every week and be 13 and 0. It can happen, but it's damn rare. Um, so anyway, I'll go. I'll let you go back to your scenario, but uh, I totally get where you're, you're coming from on that on that aspect. Yeah, and so I, I just I, I thought because like I've done some Twitter polls on it, and for example, like one of the things that I looked at was uh, I said, you know, take the wide receiver six on the season who finishes with more points by definition than the wide receiver 12, but the wide receiver 12 scores them more consistently. Who would you want? And 35% of people took the more consistent person that scored less points. Um, and I, I sort of, I guess the, the, the question is, is really the spread on that. But the thing that I found is, is that the teams that, you know, I, I looked at something called all play win percentage, which is basically right. luck independent win percent, right? If you were right. to play every team every week, what would your win percentage be? Right. Uh, and 95% of that is dictated by how many points you score. And so I really came away from that surprised because I thought that there would be more factors, right? That there would be luck or the distribution of them or whatever. It would, it would you know, how they sort of went in and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, you don't want. But, but what you see is they sort of happen in a, in a relative range and that you know, there's there's a huge factor of how many games you win is dictated by how many points you score. And right. and so that's really that's really what it came down to. And I think like for me, consistency, I, I really consistency is important for me in, in one particular aspect, which is wide receiver scoring mm-hmm. um, and not even necessarily wide receiver scoring week to week, but more wide receiver scoring year over year. Because, right. for example, a guy like Mike Evans, Mike Evans last year, I think he he was a he was a wide receiver one or a top or excuse no. me a wide receiver two or better. I think it was something like forty yeah. percent of weeks or something like that. Right. So I mean, uh, and, his overall yeah. total points last year, he was sixteenth. Right. And so right. and so I and my my metrics, uh, my warp metric in particular, measures weeks one through thirteen because a, a lot right. of my which analysis and, and which mine things. does them all right 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 and so he and he missed weeks i think 14 15 or 15 16 and 17 last year but i in dynasty one of the big things that i think about is is getting into the playoffs and sort of the implications of adding a player and those sorts of things so i look at it in the right the fantasy regular season is just sort of how i cap my number mm-hmm. and there's some other reasons for that too but um just in terms of the data how it sort of fluctuates and everything but um but what i found is is for him, like he he was uh, over a win over replacement, so he's about one point two wins over replacement, um, and and only started, only had uh, top twenty four weeks thirty eight percent of the time. Uh, but when you look at a, a similar player, for example, uh, DeAndre Hopkins scored sixty seven sixty seven percent of his top twenty four weeks. Uh, of 67% of his weeks were top 24 weeks, so basically two-thirds, but actually won you less games. So he was like 1.12. Hmm. And so when you sort of think about that, I, I – And why is that? So explain this yeah. because I, I'm really intrigued by that. So you know, I'm looking at my numbers, which is also fantasy numbers. So, um, so you're comparing Mike Evans to Hopkins, right? Uh, Mike Evans and DeAndre Hopkins, correct. So DeAndre Hopkins, 267.6 fantasy points, PPR scoring, 
fifth overall, 80% consistent, which in my system means that he was he's in the top 24 80% of the time. Now, I don't track just top 24. It's a, it's a factor that pretty much if you get over that, which is about 11 points a game, you, you're usually in the top 24 for that week. Sometimes you can be 28th and still be over 11. Sometimes you're you know, over 11 and you're 15th. So uh, it just depends. But then Mike Evans was only 62% consistent. So big difference uh, points-wise is about 37 points. Consistency is 80 versus 62. But tell me why your system says that Evans was better just by little. Well, so mine mine measured just the regular season. So you okay. all oh, right? Okay, the, you're only using you can thirteen games. The, Good point. Right. Good point. Yep. Yep. So that's and obviously him being hurt in the playoffs hurt you. But sure. but in terms of uh, the way I sort of look at it, I'm looking about you know trying to get a buy or trying to get into the, the playoffs and those sorts of decisions specifically in measuring that. Right. Um, and so that's that's week one through thirteen. Right. Um, I do think about like top twenty four finishes, and I think about I think about the rates to some degree too um but in a little bit different of a context but specifically the warp you know if you were to start these guys i I just look at for example like mike evans was 34.9 uh points over replacement in week three like you won that week probably right right? like but the the week that you got zero (laughs) that didn't Um, go well for you no but you'd be surprised (laughs) And so that's that's probably the thing that that is the most interesting to me is okay. you would be surprised how little that matters. Really? Um, how could it not matter? If he scores 34 points a week, I, obviously you're going to win. But a win is a win. Whether you win by one or you win by 30, you still win. The week he got zero, I mean, yeah, your team could have won if the rest of your players around him were good. But I would think that that, that inconsistency, and that's something from my side, I say that guy, you know, Evans last year was just not as consistent as he has been in the past, and he had some terrible games with some, but also some forty-point games. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still con- intrigued of how Evans somehow turns out to be a better player than Hopkins in in the warp system. Yes, because he well, if you oh, if you because sort of one through thirteen, which is part of it, right? One through thirteen is definitely part of it. But the other thing that's that's a big part of it is. Mike Evans' highs were a lot higher than DeAndre Hopkins' highs. True. They're right? certainly weak. Yeah, he certainly had a couple of 40 points, 35-point weeks where Hopkins right. was so, more consistent, obviously. Right. So so Mike Evans, of the three, of the two of them, Mike Evans had the three best weeks. If you add all their weeks together, Mike Evans had the three best weeks. I'm sure. In terms of right. points over replacement. That's a, so that's, uh, you know, he's heavily skewed toward that end. Uh, and, and DeAndre Hopkins had had good weeks, too. And I'm looking, you know, like 20 points over replacement a couple of times, which is pretty good. Right, but Mike right. Evans was over 28 three different times. So you right. probably won those games. Sure. What, what I think on the flip side, like the downside of a guy like that, only 17 percent, 17.9 percent of games are decided by less than 10 points. Right. And so if you sort of break that in half, that's actually, uh, you know, a little bit less than nine percent that you would win and nine percent that you would lose. You're really not like not many games are decided by a few points, um, especially, you know, in the in the system that I use was really PPR scoring. And right. it's it's maybe it's a little bit higher scoring uh, than, you know, a. Uh, than than a non now you were also PPR. Do, you uh, I think if I'm not mistaken if I remember from your what I saw with your um, 
uh, projections or your, or your numbers, you were doing 10 team leagues, correct? 12 team leagues. 12 teams. Okay. All right. I don't know why I think I saw 10. Okay. All right. So 12 team leagues, PPR. Yeah. So, so you're saying that most of the games are decided by more than 10 points. You said, yeah, 80, uh, 80, more than 82% of games are decided by 10, by 10 points or more Wow. Uh, by more than 10 points. That's like amazing. for example, for example, uh, and this is, this floors people, 26.8% of games are decided by 50 points or more. What? Yes. Right. And so, and so that's, I mean, when you think about that, like the downside really isn't that much. And, and I just, I think like over, it's really tough to project consistency is the other thing too. And, and honestly, wide receivers, like an inherently inconsistent position, just because touchdown rate is such a big deal at that position uh, in terms of if you score, if it, to score a lot of points and have big weeks, you need to score touchdowns typically, and it's just tough to predict those. Uh, but for a guy like Mike Evans or even DeAndre Hopkins or like Cooper or any of these guys that are that I think of as long term, long term consistent guys. So what I mean by you know they've got multiple top twenty four weeks, and you know for like Julio is a good example of this too. Like. Oh yeah, Julio. Multiple like top twenty four seasons. Like it, it, assuming health. Like you have a really good understanding of where they're going to finish. Right. And and that is highly valuable because what I'm going to do is I'm going to stack two or three of these guys together in my lineup and I am mostly going to set it and forget it. Like I'm not going to try and pick the week that Mike Evans or Mark Cooper goes off or whatever. I know that if I put them in my lineup every week that, yeah, they'll have up weeks. Yeah, they'll have down weeks. Um, they might happen in the same week. They might happen on opposite weeks or whatever. But by and large, I know I'm going to capture, assuming health, I'm going to capture a top 24 season. Or I'm probably going to capture better than that. And if when you sort of take all of that all told, like that production is really, really important. The ordering of it, not really so much. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's move on. We don't. We spent a lot of time in consistency, as expected. Uh, but let's uh, let's move to chapter two and let's talk about the base rates. What how what are the what are the base rates for the positions? Um, what does it mean? Um, and then we'll kind of move into chapter three, the density, which I think is even more intriguing. Yeah. So so base rates. So these they sort of go together essentially. Base okay, rates. Well, then that's fine. Let's let's time together. Then if that's the way they're meant then to be, let's yeah. do that. Yeah, totally. So, so base rates essentially measures the question that it answers is is if you know uh, basically two factors about a player, you can you can tell sort of what their odds of hitting are, generally speaking, historically, uh, which is how many years they've been in the NFL and what. And these are this is for players that have not hit yet. So for a hit, I define that as a top 24 season for a running back or wide receiver, a top 12 season for a quarterback or a tight end. Uh, and so for the guys that haven't hit, you can look at their draft pedigree, their NFL draft pedigree, which is what round they went in and how many years of experience they have. And you can look at what those players have done in the past and it'll give you a good idea of what the odds are to hit. So, for example, like the, my favorite trio of players to sort of do this exercise with is uh, is the second is the third year running backs who are round two picks that haven't hit Darius Geis, Carryon Johnson, Ronald Jones. Okay. Uh, their their base rate, for example, uh, I updated it since I did the books. I had an additional year of data. It's about twenty eight percent. So you would expect 
guys in that category to hit um 28 percent of them have hit for a top 24 season so when you think about that like i think the market is a lot higher on those guys than that historical rate and there's reasons for why being high on that right injuries right. and those sorts of things right. um, but that's really what it gets to and it gives you a good idea historically of the type of tracks that players get density is sort of the flip side of that it's once a guy is hit sort of how dense is that hit and again it's by pedigree uh, by nfl draft pedigree and by position so you can look and see you know round one running backs for example that hit for a top 24 season they hit really really deep for you know their 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 hits are very dense so that's i'm a big fan of a guy like josh jacobs for example Mm -hmm. because of that the sort of historic track that he's on i mean he's represents as lucrative of a profile as you can find a, a round one running back who has hit, who was 21 years old when he came into the NFL. That's like the gold standard in terms of, in terms of profiles. Uh, and then you sort of can look at different pedigrees and, and different positions and sort of get a different idea of how they sort of hit, uh, and to know, Hey, is this a guy that I want to sell off or I want to trade because I don't, I don't think he's really that dense of a hit, or he, this projects to be a type of one, one hit wonder type of situation. Mm-hmm. All answering really, I mean, density is is essentially the the question that it's asking is how often these guys aren't going to be one hit wonders is essentially really what I was looking at. Right. So you're so if I'm if I'm hearing you right, what you're saying is Josh Jacobs should be somebody to target definitely as an RB two, maybe a low RB one going into your draft this year because based on what he did last year and those scenarios of first round pedigree uh hitting in his first year that kind of stuff you feel that means that he has even more potential to be bigger and better than he was last year is that what you're saying uh yeah and okay. so yeah i i think long term like you you look at for example guys that are round one running backs that have hit only 21 percent of them are one hit wonders and so you really look at at that like it's a low and and the rates are are a lot higher than that at any other at any other round so they're really their floor is really insulated and when you look at it it's like 61 percent of them hit three or more times and when you just think about like how deep of a hit that is and you can get just really really long-term hits out of these guys so i really like jacob's uh, long term and this year I think like his role will grow it's it's funny because he's like the anti Leonard Fournette for example Fournette coming into the season we weren't sure if he could be a receiving back he answered that question in spades now like Jacobs we thought coming into the season like if there's anything that he really does really really well it's catching the ball out of the backfield we had concerns about him running as a full-on bell cow uh, he essentially answered that and didn't catch passes so right. Like I think there's a lot more on the bone there in terms of uh, in terms of what he can do in the NFL. Right, definitely. Now he's uh, definitely talent there. Um, all right, so we we talked about density, we talked about your rates. Now let's move into uh, let's focus on Chapter Four, your your guide to kind of future rookie drafts. Talk about the 2019 class, and then uh, if if you can, if it makes sense, kind of move that into the 2020 rookie class. Or do we not make any decisions on 2020 rookies until we until they play a year? So that's a that's a good question. Um, so I looked at the 2019 class, and again, I come from Dynasty, so uh, the rookie draft is such a big deal. Like if there's sure. oh, there might be yeah right right. 
there's like four or five events every year that are just a big deal. Uh, and, and the biggest one is really the NFL draft for dynasty because that's the new influx of players. Right. And so, and the combine's a huge deal. And like the senior bowl is a big deal because you're getting all this new stuff on rookies. Uh, and so I looked at, I looked at the draft and everyone thought last year's draft wasn't very good. And I sort of, I agree with that in part, but really disagree with it in another part, which is at the top of the draft historically. And I, I can go back to 2008 with data to sort of compare different player types and these sorts of things with, with rookie ADP to get an idea of value, which I think is a huge deal in terms of all these drafts, in terms of the type of player that you're getting in those sorts of, those sorts of questions. But at the top of the draft, it was really, like Jacobs was uh, a below average historical pick in terms of NFL draft pedigree to be a top three pick in a rookie draft. Mm-hmm. And there was nobody else that was an above average pick at the top three. It's just in terms of NFL draft pedigree. And so I said, well, that's not particularly good. But if you looked in the second round, there was 20 guys that would have been above average in terms of uh, in terms of falling in the second round where the where their pedigree was by position. Gotcha. And so I said, okay, well, that that really means that what that the the play was was to take a lot of those shots because those are actually good historical values. You're getting your your odds are in line with what has happened historically, and if you're able to trade down and take multiple of those shots or kick it to the future, for example, that was a really that was a really lucrative strategy historically. And so I I thought that it made a lot of sense in terms of how to navigate a draft like it's like you go back to 2014 like in 2014 it was such a good class it it was really hard to miss i mean you just as long as you didn't like take you know i think the 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 joke was don't take marquise lee but besides (laughs) that like almost anyone else that you took was was uh, a particular receiver it was like it was just it was fishing with dynamite um in a bad class, that's really where you learn to navigate it. Like this year, I think it's this is a good class. So it's it's but the, I think the value the the decision points are really impactful about how you should think about your picks. So yeah, I, I broke it down. I looked at I looked at a lot of historical stuff in terms of the type of players that hit and draft pedigree is such a big deal at the for different positions i don't in dynasty you don't really have the luxury of waiting a year to find out whether or not a player hits right. so you have to you have to come in and have a really good understanding of of the types of players that you want to get and i think personally you should really focus more on the types of players and one thing i look at is profiles over players okay. i want to find really good historical profiles and then take players that reflect that profile so the NFL draft is hugely important because draft pedigree is such a big part of that calculus. What are you looking for in a profile of a player that makes that that separates the men from the boys when you're looking at it from your perspective? Uh, at quarterback, I'm looking for top 10 quarterbacks, top, uh, quarterbacks selected in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Okay. Uh, for running backs, I think – Round one running backs are, like I said, especially if they're 21 years old, that is just a, that's like a platinum standard in terms of fantasy success. Um, so those guys, um, day two running backs are, aren't quite as good, but, but are, are t- historically really good. Um, they're a step down, ob- I think ob- relatively obviously, but their hits are pretty dense too. So I, and their hit rates pretty good. Um, at wide receiver, I'm a little bit more selective. So I want 
guys that are really good metric prospects. It means they're highly productive from a young age, typically in college, uh, and guys that are first round draft picks. Typically, I don't. My data has really, really suggested, particularly recently, to be really, really selective at the wide receiver position on guys that weren't drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. So I won't take a lot of day two or day three guys in the NFL draft. I'll take more uh, round one guys. Or if I'm going to take a day two guy, they better be a historically really, really, really good producer. Uh, you're looking for like top 10% production. And that's a lot of that is age-based production that you're looking for. So um, that's a really big deal. Again, first round tight ends are good. Second round tight ends are really good. Uh, and then it's a step down after that in terms of the tight end position. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, let's let's, let's skip by the super flex. Um, not that it's not important, but we got about twelve minutes, and I want to focus on probably the most important part of all of this, which is chapter six and talking about warp wins over replacement players, uh, and also adjusted wins over replacement players. Uh, kind of redefine that for folks um, to kind of help them understand and then explain how you use that uh, measurement uh, for looking at these dynasty players. Yeah, so I, I this is probably I mean, I've written two books now. This is probably my favorite thing I've ever done in terms of in terms of the writing. Uh, and so warp is and I called it embracing randomness and warp is, like I said, wins over replacement players. So you can measure how many regular season fantasy wins a player will add you based on just looking at the replacement level which is different for every every position at quarterback for example i use the quarterback 18 benchmark running back is running back 36 wide receiver is wide receiver 48 uh, and tight end is tight end 18 and so I, I look at from them each week i sort of see where a player is in in relation to that pick or to that particular spot uh, and you just measure how far above or below replacement level that player is. You add it up at the end of the year and you divide it by 97, which is the historical value of a win, uh, the historical point difference uh, in, in my subset of, of points. And you can do this. You can just you can look at your data in any league. It'll just it'll be. But by and large, it's about 97, 97 points. And the points divided by 97 is how many games they've won you in a 13 game season um over replacement and so I, I looked a lot at that and then i have something called a warp which is adjusted wins over replacement and that factors in the start rate of a player so i just use mfl as my as my start rate and they have a it's great they tell you how many you know how many uh what percentage of teams that this player was on did he start in a given week and so that's really impactful because that's a that's as good of a metric in terms of measuring the market as you'll find looking at the you know looking at a specific piece of data. And so what I did was I just I went ahead and did some simulations and I just wanted to know sort of roster construction what makes the most sense. And I found that every time you add a running back instead of a receiver uh, and you're just looking at randomly, right? And this isn't making any decisions. This is just simply a roster construction exercise. But every time you add a running back over a receiver, you add 0.17 wins over replacement in the first three years of, of, of a draft or of a league. Uh, and the implications of that are pretty big because, mm -hmm. you know, you keep adding that up. It both moves the average up and it moves your upside up. Right. And so what you'll see is the, the, the teams at the, for example, like if you if you take a ton of wide receivers, 
you know, and I looked at, you know, teams that basically I, I looked at uh, a combination of 16 wide receivers and running backs. So four running backs and 12 wide receivers all the way up to the opposite of 12 wide receivers and f- 12 running backs and four wide receivers. And, you know, each combination therein, you can you can sort of find the the difference in terms of how many wins you you would expect um and, and what you'll find is really that that the taking more running backs it gives you a lot more upside it gives you a lot more um baseline as well it moves everything up for you and just continuing to do that will really make your roster better so that was a big part of what i did hmm. um, because i think i think that by and large there's a i think it matters too in how you do it so one of the things that i found Every, so every time you take a running back, every time you take a wide receiver over running back, you're almost like you're taking it on the chin every time you make that decision. <laughs> but what you'll what you'll see is the time not like the only time where it makes sense to do that because you have to, right? You have to right. roster wide receivers, you know, assuming that you have to start wide receivers. The the time to do it is early in a draft because that's the time when they're the closest to running backs. Like you're about even essentially um, looking at hit rates and looking at warp and those sorts of things early in a draft running backs and wide receivers are about even. And when I'm talking early, I'm talking like in a non super flex league, the first five or six rounds is that they'll perform about even um, after that running backs outperform wide receivers between 10 and 15% by round. And so every time you have to take a, so if you go early at wide receiver, you know, in the first you take four wide receivers in the first five rounds, you can avoid the running back. You can avoid the wide receiver position and load up on running backs later in the draft. Um, and so and, and what will happen with those running backs is you'll get the opportunity to uh, you'll know week to week when to start them. For example, a guy like Latavius Murray last year, like that calculus was really easy. If Alvin <laughs> Kamara is out, you right. can start Latavius Murray. And right. so, and, and Latavius Murray is a guy that was inherently inconsistent because he didn't really play much when Kamara was was out. But you right. knew exactly when to play him. You can capture that upside, and that's a story that's really possible at running back. There's a huge injury rate at running back in terms of you can expect about nine of the top 24 running backs coming into the season to suffer a, an injury that'll cost them four or more consecutive games. So when you think of being on the opposite side of those bets and, and having a lot of the one injury weight type running backs, it gives you a lot of upside and, and flexibility in season as the natural unfortunate injuries happen to the lead guys. So it's really an exploitation of that uh, just from a roster constructive construction perspective and then i looked a lot too at the value of random uh first round rookie picks in the future and i found that they're that they're probably undervalued too um just by the way that just by a normal market uh a normal look at their market gotcha all right we got about six minutes left let's get to the last chapter this is where it all comes to fruition the whole strategy implementation of your startup drafts uh, you got some great stuff in here, especially just the one through five of, you know, what you should do uh, when you get started in your first league here and, and how that all comes into play. Why don't you kind of uh, walk people through, you know, then how all this kind of comes to fruition of chapter seven and, and what you're kind of explaining to the user um, because I'm in one dynasty. I just got in it last year. Uh, this will be my first rookie draft. Um I made the playoffs, got knocked out in the first round. Um, 
like my team, like my team going forward, but I'm definitely going to be reading this much more in depth here as I'm heading towards the summer. <laughs> As I'm starting to look at uh, how to identify these players, so why don't you kind of wrap up, wrap it up for everybody here? Yeah, so if you're going into a, in a startup draft in terms of a in terms of a a dynasty league, which is where a dynasty league basically starts as a startup draft, one of the things I think is early in a draft, again, wide receiver over running back, typically. Um, but if you get the opportunity to trade down, historically, that's been a pretty productive a pretty productive outcome in terms of accumulating more picks uh, and accumulating future picks if you can do that. Uh, and But taking a lot of shots is is a good thing. And one of the things, I think, generally speaking, the market's overconfident. And so I found this this study that, especially in, in rookie drafts, so like in your rookie draft, um, uh, you know, their picks in terms of they think hey listen i'm gonna make the playoffs i'm a really good team my pick's gonna be a later pick um but but people overestimate the strength of their team and so what you'll see (laughs) is like the the exploiting that overconfidence thing's a big deal i found this study that was was just uh it was really funny the uh they did a a survey of drivers and 93 percent of drivers said that they were in the they were above the median driver so 93% of them said that they were in the top 50% of drivers, which, of course, is impossible. Right. Even even better, uh, it didn't change if the person had gotten in an accident or not. They still answered the same way. And <laughs> right. and they're objectively worse, right? Like, that right. you've gotten in an accident, you're objectively a worse driver. Right. Um, but <laughs> Especially if you so, caused it. Right, right. And so, so yeah, so I like, but teams will do this. And so like I did a study in one of my leagues, I just pulled people. I said, Hey, what's your odds of winning the championship? And each team averaged like 23% was like the average answer. And it right. came out to be 270% was the estimate. It's a, <laughs> only one team can win. It's a hundred percent. Right. <laughs> and so, and so, but what you'll see is like, that's reflected in the market, right? Because people right. will say, Oh, my pick's going to be late. Uh, and so, and really what I looked at was like the, the, just having a random picks are a lot more random and we don't, it's really hard to draft and it's really hard to build a team because we are trying to, from afar, uh, use the production of a player and, and it's not something that we control, right? We don't control how much playing time you know, Alexander Madison gets, right? Like you don't get to control that. Uh, And so it's really, really tough to, to be right. And so, you know, and I had a, and it's funny how much people overestimate their teams. I had a team that, that last year was like comical. It was had Barkley and Mixon and Kamara and Mm. Andrew Locke, Devontae Adams and Juju Smith-Schuster and Evan Ingram. Right. That right. team on paper oh, should have yeah. should have had a buy. I didn't make the playoffs. Right. right? Well, yeah. yeah obviously. <laughs> and so you, you just you think about that. You're like, that's that's just utterly impossible. It was I was sitting in May last year, but those mm-hmm. things happen. And right. so oh, yeah. I think un, over in, uh, appreciating how much of it's random and how much of, you did, of it you don't control is a really mm-hmm. big a really big thing. So taking more shots, you know, I always say how many times can you hit in the top six? If you can hit five out of the top six picks in a draft in the first six rounds, if you can hit five times, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Um, that's good. It's a lot easier to do it when you're drafting eight times, right? So trading <laughs> down, making multiple, taking multiple shots and doing those things and right. trying to build a good team like that. I right. think that's a big deal. 
So I have uh, – we got about a minute and a half, so I'm going to be quick. Uh, so I got pick seven because uh, I'm right in the middle, and it was a, it's a 12-team. So I think I've picked – yeah, pick seven. Um, you know, is there, is there a certain position, or am I looking at running backs because of the running backs always seem to be the better value based on your, your system? Yeah, I think – yeah, I'm not sure how the board's going to fall. I think you've got probably three wide receivers who appear at least to have separated themselves and be in first-round picks right. uh, in terms of Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and C.D. Lamb. Right. Uh, and then you've got – I think you've got – it depends on how you think about it. I think you've got four or five running backs that are probably in a tier. I think you're you're at seven, you're going to get – I'm going to get a good good player there, right? Yeah, I I think so. so. Right, I think so. Um, And so, and that does. I mean, that assumes that the market's efficient, right? That there's not that there's not someone taking an outlier or something like that. Um, So yeah, I think you're in pretty good shape. Typically, one thing I do at this point of the year is, hey, is there a guy that that I don't think of really highly long term that I can use to move up? So, for example, like Raheem Mostert, can I take Raheem Mostert at 107 and turn that into 104? Something like that. I got you. That would be something I would look at. All right, we got about 20 seconds left. Why don't you just give everybody a quick update of where they can find you, your Twitter, uh, et cetera. And then uh, thanks again, Jordan, for being here. Yeah, you can find all my work at uh, at analogsofdynasty.com. You can find the book for uh, $30. Uh, my 2019 edition, the first one I wrote, is actually on sale for 20 You can find me on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty and check out my Patreon content at patreon.com slash 